unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
get started tonight if we can, please. We are very glad that you're here, and uh, we hope that uh, you're going to enjoy this time of Bible study tonight. Uh, if you're visiting with us, please know that we are especially thankful that you're here tonight. I want you to come back and worship with us anytime that you can. I would like to request that you get one of the bulletins uh, before you leave tonight. It has uh, an updated list on all the sick. And uh, we certainly want to remember all the sick. Of course, Brother Tommy Barragona especially uh, went for a biopsy today, and he got home just a few minutes ago. And uh, he's very uh, tired right now, but we want to continue to pray for him and for positive results to come from that. Uh, other things that we want you to take note of are the Chris Beard. is still needs someone to be able to ride with him on the bus beginning on Wednesday nights uh, in about a week or so couple of weeks so if you would like to do that please uh, talk to him about that that's very very important uh, the Bible Bowl is going to meet Sunday at uh, 445 and please register for that also and I hope we'll we'll uh, plan to participate in this it's in-house but the babies through sixth grade trunk or treat is going to take place here uh, November I should say October the 30th uh, following our class Sunday night, we're going to have pizza in the annex at 6.30. We'll have a costume contest in the breezeway. Following the costume contest, we'll begin our trunk or treat around the parking lot. So all of you can participate uh, in this and, uh, you know, decorate your trunk the way you want to and uh, bring candy for the kids. And uh, we want to invite and encourage all members of the congregation to participate in this fun event. We appreciate uh, Guy and Amelia Gardner for uh, stepping up and uh, planning this and taking the lead in it. And if you have any questions about that, please uh, see them. Our food pantry uh, item for this week uh, is pork and beans, it says. And uh, last Thursday, uh, there were 106 units, family units, that we helped just on that particular day. Uh, from what I was told, it might, might have been a record or close to a record for just one day. But the food pantry will be open tomorrow from 9 until 10.30 as well. And I appreciate so much, so many of you uh, that have given your time and your efforts to make that success. But the JT Beard does a great job coordinating that. We've got so many uh, under-the-radar people that come and help with the clothes closet and uh, getting the food uh, ready to be given away, and it's just a real team effort. We thank all of you that are involved, and I would suggest that if you have not uh, seen it work, you ought to come sometime and help out. I think you would like what you see, so think about that if you will. Also, there's going to be a very important teacher's meeting on Sunday, October the 30th at 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, as far as our devotional tonight, uh, Ken Scott is going to be leading our singing and uh, Brandon Elliott will dismiss us in prayer at the appropriate time. Good evening. If you will, uh, mark your hymn books to 907, 907. <coughs> this will be our song of invitation in a few minutes. Now take your hymn books and turn to 679, 679. We'll sing the first and the last. Ready? 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 
that God expects us to live and the way that God wants us to live requires proper consciousness, it requires commitment, it requires the management of our time. Over in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15, Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, what did Paul mean here when he said that we need to walk circumspectly? Well, the word circumspectly means to be accurate. It means to walk carefully. In other words, as Christians, we are to walk accurately and do the will of God. We are to be careful in our daily walk as Christians. What did Paul mean here when he talked about redeeming the time? Well, the word there in the original means to buy up for oneself or buying up an opportunity. And so this suggests that using our time and opportunities to the fullest is what we need to strive to do. That's what we must do as Christians. Now, I want to ask you today, what are your plans? Are you planning to grow in grace and acknowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's certainly a admirable goals for you to strive for. Are you planning to, you know, worship God faithfully? That certainly is a worthy goal. Are you planning to try to be uh, more open to teach others about Jesus? That too is a very admirable goal. And are you planning on bearing fruit in the vineyard of the Lord? That's certainly a worthy goal. Uh, growing in the Christian graces is a worthy goal that we need to strive for. Now, if we're going to do all these things, if we're going to mature as Christian men and women, we've got to do these three things. We have to, number one, as this verse says, understand what the will of the Lord is. We must walk circumspectly. That is, we must walk carefully and accurately. And number three, we must commit ourselves to redeeming the time. That is, take advantage of those opportunities that come before us in this life. And so all of us need to think about realigning our priorities. As Matthew 6, says, we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, time management is actually life management. So tonight we're going to sing a song of encouragement, and I want you to think about your life. Are you using your time for the Lord as you should be? Are there things that maybe you need to change? Could it be that there are some things that you know you may need to make known publicly tonight? You may want to come and ask for the prayers of the church, or maybe You've been wasting time not being a child of God. You may want to make that decision tonight to come to Christ and to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins and then begin to walk and live as God would have you to live. Tonight we sing this song of encouragement. If you need to come, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.
643. After the prayer, we will sing one song as the teachers make their way to the classroom. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've blessed us with. We're thankful for all the many blessings of this day that we've enjoyed, and uh, we're thankful how you provide for us. We're thankful especially for this time that we can be together. Father, we have uh, many here that need our prayers, many who are sick, many who are hurting, and we just ask you to be with each of them. Father, we pray for all those who may be struggling in different ways that you would uh, help us to reach out to them and to help them, help us to reach out into our communities. We pray your blessings on the uh, food pantry tomorrow in the closed closet that uh, many will be here that we can help and uh, many will hear your word. Father, we pray as we go into our classes, you will be with our teachers. We're so thankful that we have so many wonderful teachers and uh, people who are eager to teach and also everyone else who is there in the class, just pray that you would uh, be with those classes tonight. Most of all, we thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. We ask all this in his name. Amen. Six hundred forty-three. First line only. Oh, you sold in the sea of the kingdom, brother and the morning bright and fair. Oh, you sold in the sea of the kingdom, brother and the sea of the
so far? We're in the middle. So we're coasting to the weekend. Yay! But I hope you've made really good use of your week. And glad that you've decided to be a part of our assembly here tonight, especially for our Bible class. Uh, tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles there, we'll be looking at that here in a little bit. I have a few people here that are sick, and we're going to be praying for them. And when I go through the list, if you have someone that you would like to add, we will add them at the end. I really appreciate Jeremy and Adam for filling in for me for the last two weeks. And I know that they did a great job and covered a lot of material. They must move a lot quicker than I do because I would have been in those sections for a long, long time. So I know you appreciated that. And I will say that we've got a pretty busy calendar right now. So I'm going to give a presentation about the trip that JT and I took to Guyana on November the 6th. That is the first Sunday in November. It's also the first Sunday in our new quarter. It just so happens that this next quarter that's coming up, all of the adult classes are going to be in here because we're going to be talking about leadership in the church. But we're going to use that first period to give me an opportunity to share with you what JT and I did on your behalf and on the Lord's behalf. Because that's how I think about it. The church sent us to go do that work. So it wasn't just the two of us on the field. It was all of us. Yes? Yes. So we just want to account for what we did on all that time. And I'm very excited to, to do that. Okay, let's go through our sick people. And we'll have our prayer. And then we will begin our Bible study. Irene Baker has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton is recovering from her foot surgery and is, uh, seems like she's been doing great. Austin Wentz, he is undergoing chemo treatments and right now he's really takes some very powerful drugs and it's depleting to his body. So we want to pray that he'll be able to bear up under all that. And then he has got a lot more treatments to go. Ann Stevens and Don Dawson both have just poor health. Kim Fowler's recovering from her foot surgery. Sue James is Rick Warner's friend. She has cancer. She did. I'm sorry about that, Rick. But we prayed and we remembered her. And I, um, did not heal her, but I hope she was comforted. Uh, Quitman, remember him at Landmark. Um, Wade Davis is still missing after all this time. I uh, saw Sue at a meeting earlier this week, and, you know, she's okay, but I just can't imagine uh, dealing with that for all this time. Remember Carolyn and Catherine? Melinda Hester, Bobby Petty is Joe Garrett's friend, has lung cancer. 
Eric Fitzsimmons is Laurie's brother-in-law. He's got blocked arteries that they're really having a, a time determining how to treat. A Coley Floyd's recovering from his shoulder surgery. Steve Morgan had open heart surgery. Saw him Sunday. He seems to be doing great. A Doug Smith's dad, Kelby, he's not well. Please remember him. Cody McGee's still recovering from his foot surgery. Vanessa Williams is a member at Snowdown. She has leukemia. Um, my daughter has been undergoing some tests. She didn't seem to be too concerned about it, so <laughs> I don't know what to think. I'm still praying for her, but we don't really know anything yet. And Langford is Lisa Peake's friend. She's dealing with some pretty severe health problems. Chopper Taylor is dealing with really severe pain. It's, doctors think it's the result of neuropathy in his legs. Just a, a very severe case, I guess, but uh, that's hard to get relief. Please remember him. Larry Kennedy uh, is going to be going to UAB on the 19th, and that is today. So he's having a biopsy and some other tests, and uh, as soon as they know, I guess we'll let you know. Um, Rick Weiner's granddaughter, Marley, you know, she broke her arm, had to repair it surgically. We want to pray that all that goes well and she has good use of her arm. I have a friend, Jackie Donaldson. Uh, some years ago, she had a brain tumor. They did a scan. It, you know, they're concerned that she might have some uh, developments. So pray that everything's okay with her. Christy Broadhead. Is Jer Jeremy, what? They found her. Yes. That is, that is great. I'm so glad. Found. Okay. Uh, Brian Rowland had surgery on his foot. And he has determined God just wants him on crutches because he's doing great moving on those crutches. But I really feel for him, don't you? And pray that this was the last of those surgeries. Uh, Lainey Baker has just got a lot of things on her. Uh, she's lost a son, a husband. She's got a sister, broke a hip. She's sick herself. Just a lot of things going on. Josh Moore is Charlotte's son. has pancreatitis. Uh, Max Cooper from Danville is, is only two years old. Lost both his kidneys, is on dialysis. So uh, I'm praying that they'll find a kidney. Uh, Cassie Stewart broke her elbow, and she's really been suffering with that. And also, as was mentioned, Tommy Barragona has uh, had a biopsy. Um, so we're praying that all that goes well for him. Is there anybody else that you would like to add to this list? We'll pray about them here in a minute. Yes. Uh, Danny, uh, the, the preacher from Robert Bush, and I wish I forward him, and he's, uh, he's very seriously ill. Uh, Danny Rosenthal <coughs> is, and I'll, I'll share some things about him, I even have a video, a video. Um, he has stage four kidney failure. His kidneys only work like 15%. And so he is um, having to take some pretty serious drugs. So, yeah, we will pray for him. Anybody else? Will Vaughn, who 
Will Khan K A H N C O N N like it sounds. Okay. Complete loss. you feeling pretty good? Good. All right. Let's pray together, okay? We will ask God to watch over these situations. Father, thank you so much for a beautiful day. Thank you for so many blessings. Thank you for the life that we live and for the people around us, especially for these people here, our church family. We Thank you for Jesus and for his sacrifice and for his love of us and how that love that he showered on each one of us, we extend to each other. And it is a, it is a glorious thing. We pray, Father, for these people that we know who are suffering. Some of them are our members here and others are friends or family. We pray blessings on Irene Baker that she'll have good days and quality days. Bless Martha Eaton and her recovery. Bless Austin Wentz that he'll bear up under his treatments. Be with Ann Stevens and Don Dawson that their health could improve. Bless Kim Fowler and her recovery. We pray for Sue James' family as they mourn her death. And I'm, I'm thankful that she knew Rick. I'm sure he was a great friend to her. And we pray for his comfort in her passing too. We pray for Quitman Wigginton at Landmark, that he'll have good days. Bless Sue Davis as she is missing Wade. And we don't know what to ask, Lord, but we just pray closure for this family. Pray for Carolyn and Catherine and their recovery. Bless Melinda Hester that she'll recover well and have good use of her feet and her shoulder. Bless Bobby Petty and his battle with cancer. Be with Eric as he is dealing with this artery situation. Pray he can get a good treatment for that. Bless Coley Floyd and his recovery. We're thankful Steve Morgan's doing so much better. We pray a full recovery for him. Bless Doug's father, Kelby, that he will be better. Be with Cody McGee as he recovers from his surgery. Bless Vanessa Williams as she battles cancer. Be with Casey. We pray that uh, her condition is, is better. We pray for Anne Langford that her circumstances would get better. We pray for good health for her. And we pray for Lisa that she can be a really good, supportive friend. We ask your blessings on Chopper Taylor and ask your mercy on his behalf and uh, give him some relief from excruciating pain. We pray for Larry Kennedy in the examination he had today. We pray there will be good results come from that. We pray for Rick Wander's granddaughter, Marley. As she recovers, we pray that she'll have a full recovery and her arm will 
function as it should. Bless Jackie Donaldson and her health. We rejoice that Darby was found, and we pray whatever the circumstances were that, um, that her reception back home was just a triumphant one. We pray for Brian Rowland that he'll recover from this recent surgery and that he'll have good use of his foot again. We pray for Lainey Baxter, who's just got a lot on her. We just pray for her comfort and strength. Bless Josh Moore in his recovery from pancreatitis. We pray for little Max Cooper, that a kidney can be found for him and that it'll be compatible and that he can grow and, and do well. Pray for Cassie who broke her elbow. Pray that her pain will be lessened and that she'll have good recovery. Be with Tommy Barragona as he's undergone this biopsy today. We pray he'll get good results. We pray for Danny Ramdahl in kidney failure. We pray his treatment is going to be sufficient to promote health in his kidney and his body. We just we pray that he can get healthy again and be able to accomplish the work that he set out to do. We pray for Will Kahn and his family as he's been displaced by this fire, and we just pray that uh, recovery efforts and rebuilding and so forth will go as planned and uh, that things will be well for him and his family. We also pray for the Yates family who are grieving tonight and we pray for their comfort. Lord, I'm sure that there are other people that uh, we would have spoken whose names are so familiar to us and to you because we carry them to you so often, but Lord, you know their, their needs, and we just pray, Lord, that you'll bless according to their need. And use us to reach out to these folks and be a comfort and encouragement and a support in these difficult times. Uh, bless us now as we continue our study through the book of Acts and help these conversion stories in particular to be effectual in us. Help us to learn them, to understand them and to be able to communicate them to people who are lost and need to hear your gospel. And thank you for the benefit that we have in having obeyed it and becoming workers in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're now in Acts chapter 16. We are going to look just at a handful of verses because we're not looking at the entire story surrounding all of these events. We are mostly concerned with the conversion story itself and what takes place. So we're just looking at a short little section here, uh, verses 13 to 15. Lydia is interesting because the Apostle Paul, his desire was to go into Asia with the gospel. And I'm sure that would have been sensational. That's what he thought was best. However, the Lord had a different idea. You're not going to Asia. You're going to Macedonia. You're going to essentially Europe. So we've already seen the first Gentile convert, and those were in chapters 10 and 11. Now we're going to see the first European convert. Now, I don't know. This is just me, maybe, but being European as I am, 
I'm pretty glad that this happened, aren't you? I mean, I want the gospel to go into Asia. In fact, we do a lot of that ourselves, sending missionaries into those areas. But God knew what was going to happen in the expansion of the world. And, you know, Europe ended up coming over here, right? That's where we are. And so as a result of that, here, the very beginning, effort spread of the gospel which makes its connection all the way here into the United States. And peace, it may not be so now, but there used to be a time, and my money still says it, that it is God in whom we trust. And we used to be pretty proud in this nation to refer to ourselves as what? A Christian nation. Now, there are people who will bristle up at that now, but that hasn't always been the case. Well, you know that. So... I'm pretty excited about what happens, especially in the next couple of conversions here in chapter 16. So on the Sabbath day, he says, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who were there. I want to stop right there for a second and just make some observations. So you've seen Paul in action now, and if you've been reading along and seen some of the journeys that he's been on thus far, you know that when Paul went into a city, the first place he went was where? He went to the synagogue. And if you read the introductory material, the first few verses of this chapter, you'll find out that Philippi was pretty significant. It was, it was recognized as a Roman colony, meaning that it was governed by the Romans, it was supplied by the Romans. For the Romans, it was a, a major city, and they put their stamp on that city. In fact, the city Philippi was actually named after Philip II, who was the father of Alexander the Great. Now, if you know anything about the Romans, the Romans were all about world conquering, and they highly esteemed, guess who? Alexander the Great. And so it was a, a, a huge tribute to name this city after Alexander the Great's father. So you're here in this city of Philippi, and it's a major, big-time, Roman-stamped city, a colony. But Paul's come in here on the Sabbath day, who's typical ordinary activity on the Sabbath is to come in, go to the synagogue, find Jews like himself, kind of make, as it were, a little base. Maybe he could convert some of those Jews and then they could help him as he begins to broaden his evangelistic stamp because his goal as by the Lord was take the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, he always went to the Jew first and then also the Greek or, or those in the world. So Paul goes to his base. However, finds out, wait a minute, there's no synagogue in Philippi. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I'll just throw this out here. Actually, in order to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 men who were heads of households, Okay which meant then that you had to have a sufficient number of people. Like if you're a household, you say an average of four people in the household, you're really looking for a pretty good sized group of people in order to establish a location to meet. 
Otherwise, if you didn't have the 10 men heads of household, then you had to make other provisions. That did not mean you're exempt from worship. Okay, you, you still need to do that. But what people would do then is if I can't meet in the synagogue, I'm going to find a place that is close to a body of water. Anybody have an idea of why you would want to do that? Okay, yeah, there were all kinds of ritual cleansings and purification rites that required a lot of water. So if you don't have a building where you're housing sufficient water, then the next best thing is to go to a place where there is some water and then you can use that. And of course, in that time, best thing is find a stream or a river. Now there was a river there that ran through Philippi. It's spelled G-A-N-G-I-T-E-S. Gangetes River. Gangetes River is most likely, aside from several tributaries, most likely that's going to be the river that was in use. So Paul comes into town. Oops, there's no, there's no synagogue, but I can ask around a little bit and pretty well ascertain where Jews are going to meet, where my people are going to be. And so the natural place to begin would be down by the river. Yes? Does that make sense? Okay. So it's on the Sabbath day, Saturday. They go out of the city to the riverside, the Gangites, where prayer was customarily made. What does that tell you about their worship activity here? Regular. Yeah, I mean, they've been doing this a while. Yes? Here's something that I found kind of interesting. I, I don't know. Some things just kind of stick in my fly trap mind. And I was reading just a few verses earlier, right? In chapter 16 at verse 9, that's when the Macedonian call came, okay? In the Macedonian call... Paul has a vision at night. And what is it that he sees? He sees a man, and I just want to emphasize that for a second. He sees a man of what area? Macedonia. Okay, and what does the man of Macedonia say? Come and help us, right? Okay, so we'll put Asia on hold because there's a, maybe I'm making too much of this, a man over there in Macedonia that needs our help, signifying that that's where I want the gospel to be spread. Okay, peace. So Paul goes to Philippi, the first stop on the Macedonian tour in order to preach the gospel to the man who says, come and help us. But what does he find? A bunch of women. I just think that's kind of funny, don't you? You don't have to, but I do. I just find a little humor in that. So come and help us. I'm coming. Where are you? There's not even enough of you to make up a synagogue. But there are women who are faithful to the Lord who actually have been worshiping here for a while. So a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. 
I'm no biblical scholar, but I understand that the Greek wording of who worshiped God signifies that she was not Jewish, but that probably is a proselyte in the sense that she didn't come for as a Jew to worship God, but that she had adjoined herself or connected herself with people who worship it, who were worshiping God, and she respected it to the degree that probably, guess who? Remember chapters 10 and 11? Cornelius, right? Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is no proselyte. Cornelius is somebody who wants to worship. God's been shut out, probably shut out because he's connected with the Romans, right? <laughs> That'd keep you at distance. So we have a conversion of a pure Gentile. Now we've got all kinds of people out of here in the world that we need to reach. And interestingly enough, first group that we find are women who are interested in the things of God. And I also learned something else I thought was interesting. So she's from the city of Thyatira. Thyatira used to be a part of a kingdom. Would you guess, would you venture to guess the name of the kingdom that Thyatira used to be a part of? Lydia. <laughs> used to be the kingdom of Lydia. Some people think maybe this isn't actually her name. Maybe she is indescript and that's why she's described as the seller of purple to distinguish her and that most people, not necessarily knowing her name, said she's the woman from Lydia. I don't know. That's just kind of fun. But anyway, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She's a seller of purple. Anybody know what purple was? Okay, yeah, it was purple. <laughs> I see some purple out there. Yay! Um, actually, yeah, you know, it, it's not like us. You want a color, you can get it, right? Um, go down to um, Hobby Lobby. You want a colored T-shirt? You better decide what you want ahead of time because they've got like every palette. I mean, it's unbelievable the colors they have. Back then, not so. In fact, if you wanted a color, you had to, you had to find some natural substance that produced an ink-like um, liquid that you could extract in order to make, if it, if it was permanent enough, a stain on cloth. It's divided. Some people thought that the purple came from maybe an animal that lived in the ocean. Others I've read have actually discovered a plant, a plant-based dye that's there in this region that could have been used. And whether it was one or the other or some combination of both, we get the idea that her being identified with her work would suggest what about her? Well, well. I mean, she's proficient, right? She's, she's here probably as a visitor because she's got a big business going on in Thyatira. Maybe she had come to Philippi as a merchant, right? That makes sense. So she's a seller of purple. That's her job from the city of Thyatira. But she worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So put a little hook right there for a second. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she pursued or persuaded us. Okay. Uh, we talked about the Sabbath there a moment ago, and I, I gave you a reference, and I'll just jot it down here. It was just earlier in this text, Acts chapter 16. 
and verse 9. That's where the man <laughs> um, from Macedonia is calling and then has the women. You can just put a, you know, put a little smiley face right there. I just thought that was fun. Okay, so the Lord, <clears throat> the Lord opened her heart. Some people get a lot of heartburn about a statement like that. So before we discuss it much, I want us to look at some scriptures. Are, are you ready, designated reader? John chapter 6 and verse 45. If you'll read that, please. John chapter 6 and verse 45. And then also we'll look at 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 15, and then just for giggles, we'll look at Romans 10, verses 13 to 17. Wow, you got a lot to go. Okay, hit the first one there. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all, they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. How do you come to Jesus? How do you come to Jesus? What initiates your coming to Jesus? Being taught, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who hears and learns, that's the person Jesus says that is being drawn to me by means of the Father. The Father gives the word, the word is communicated, the person receives the word and then they make it to who? Jesus. Does that make sense? That's a very simple process. God, the word, the person, they make it to Jesus. Got it? Okay, now read 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 15. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Okay, how does a person come to the gospel? By being similar, right? It's by the word. And then he even adds that little addendum at the end, whether it's by word or epistle. In other words, if you had been reading that then, you would have, the, you would have received the word by one of two means. Either someone would have done what? Spoken it to you, taught you, or you would have done what? You would have read it, right. You, you did, uh, let me go ahead and insert this real quick. You did not get it by sitting under the apple tree and the apple hitting you on the head like Sir Isaac Newton and then all of a sudden you know stuff. That is not how it happened. You come to Jesus not by some vision in the night. You come to Jesus one way and the Father brings you. And the way He brings you to Jesus is how? Through the Word, through the Gospel. Okay, and then this final text. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Wait, stop right there. How can you call on the Lord if you haven't believed in him? You can't, right? It don't even make sense. But how do we believe? Keep going now. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? 
and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How do you develop faith? By hearing what? The word of God. Jesus said, you can't even come to me except the Father draw you to me through what? Not through some miraculous means or some vision in the night, some dream, but by the word. Hearing and being taught, learning. Not just, I get it, but I really understand it, right? It's not superficial knowledge that leads us to Jesus. It's understanding. Okay, now I ask you, this text says that the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. What happened right there? How did the Lord open her heart? Paul came in there and started... It's the same thing that happened to those disciples that met Jesus on the road. Jesus opened the scriptures to them. Well, what happened? He just kind of touched them on the head and all of a sudden now they know? No, they spent time doing what? Okay, so as a person, similar, different phrasing, but a similar process happened on the day of Pentecost, right? Those people who at one point had been enemies of Jesus so much they called for him to be crucified, who sneered and mocked and blasphemed Jesus. Now they're hearing, oops, we crucified our Messiah. And look at all those scriptures that we violated by doing that. Now they are cut to the heart. What happened? Did the Holy Spirit just jump on them and make them feel bad? Holy Spirit moved them to repent. Is that what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit directly did not do it, but the Holy Spirit did it by what means? Through the word. When they heard the word, it was through the proclamation of those words that they heard it and then they responded. Ask yourself this question, and it, we, we looked at this a little bit because we noted that there were either, people vary, but there could have been anywhere from 650,000 to 2 million people there on that day. But only 3,000 people actually responded. So on that day, on that occasion, with Jews from every nation under heaven, if God really wanted to just throw himself down on people to move them, why did he only throw himself down on 3,000? Why not on 2 million Why you've got them as a captive audience? Wouldn't that make sense? The reason it didn't happen that way is because there were only 3,000 of them who, when they heard it, they heeded the thing that they heard. And when you heed the thing that you hear on the day of Pentecost, the response was they were cut to the heart. Here for Lydia, the text says that that word did what? It opened her heart. In other words, as she heard that, she may not have known anything about Jesus. But as she is hearing what Paul is preaching, what happens? The doors open. Right? There's nothing miraculous or sensational happening here. In fact, nothing miraculous or sensational ever happens. 
I wish, I kind of wish it did. I wish that that conversion thing was taken out of our hands. We didn't have to go on mission trips. We didn't have to, have to, you know, muster up the courage to carry the gospel to somebody. That somehow or other, the Lord would just fall on somebody and they would understand. But you and I know that is not how it happens. And over and over again, I meet people who thought that that had happened. And later they come to actually hear the truth. And it's like they're hearing it for the first time. Well, the reason is because they are hearing it for the first time. What happened to them previously wasn't what they were sold to believe it was. Are you with me? That's what's happened to Lydia here. The Lord all opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. What he taught, her heart opened up to, and she was a willing recipient. When she and her household were baptized, whoa, wait a minute. Boy, that moved quickly, didn't it? But here's the assumption in Scripture. We've already covered every step that could possibly take place. What you need to know about Lydia was that Paul made that contact with them. He preached the gospel just as he has preached the gospel every other place. And the result in a good and honest heart that had opened itself up to the Lord and had received that message, when it recognized it and it understood it, what did it do? Immediately, according to this text, they were... Are you not... This says they were baptized in mind. Does anybody else say that? So somehow or other, when you talk about Jesus, it always ends up the same place, doesn't it? It always ends up in a conversation about baptism. And in this case, her heart was responsive to that message. And what happened? Not only is she baptized, but what? Her household. So everybody who was there with her, that was connected with her, when they heard it, they had the same kind of heart and they were all baptized. She begged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, stop right there. Is she faith? Would you judge her faithful to the Lord? I mean like 100%, yes or no? 100%. If you've judged me to be faithful, then do what? Come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now, she persuaded us means that Paul and his cohorts were like what? Hey, no, it's too much trouble. Ah, no, we got plans already. Ah, don't worry. No, please, please, please. I used to do this a lot, and now I'm finding it happening to me. And that is when someone, when I gave something to someone, they would refuse, no, no, no. And I'd say, please don't take my blessing away from me. You know, I'm trying to do something good for you. Don't take my blessing away. Now I'm having people do that to me. And I'll just tell you, it's kind of hard to take sometimes. But then I think, wait, no, that's good. I want you to have the blessing. So you see what's happening there? Blessing, blessing, right? You're receiving a blessing for doing a good thing. I'm receiving a blessing because you've blessed me. Is that a win-win? Yes, it is. Now I want to talk for just, just one second about this thing. When she is inviting them to come, she is demonstrating hospitality. Have you heard of that word? I know you have because the sign that is connected with Boonville says that Boonville is a city of what? Hospitality. Now I've already learned that and so I kind of feel silly 
talking about hospitality, but I just wanted you to notice that here was her natural inclination as a newborn child of God, but actually, that's how we are. Us children of God, we are hospitable. I want to look at a couple. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 13 is one of them. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2 uh, is one of them. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 uh, is one of them. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9 and also uh, 3 John and verses 5 to 8. And by the way, I would when you, this was kind of going to be the conclusion, but um, also verse 40 of Acts chapter 16. Okay, go Rick. Okay. 13, right? Romans 12, verse 13, yes. Stripping to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Given to, not just be hospitable, but look at that. Given to hospitality. What does that mean? If you're given to something, what does that mean? It's natural. I gravitate towards, that's what I do. That's who we are. That's, okay, next. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality. Whoa, to a bishop, who's that? Where's the funny hat and all? No, that's our elders. Yeah, he's pointing to you, Jim. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's our elders. Elders are given to hospitality. That seems natural, right? No, you had this way. Okay, Hebrews 13, 2. Why would I be hospitable? What about these people? I don't even know them. Hebrews 13, 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Oh, that reminds me of Abraham. Abraham's like, hey, guys, come on in. Let's, who are you? What's up? Never know, right? Don't worry about it. Just be generous that way, okay? 1 Peter 4, 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Without what? Grudging. I don't want to have so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you do, because they're your brother and your sister. Yes. And then, look, this is beautiful. This kind of puts it all together in a setting. Uh, it's 3 John. John on, 3 John only has one chapter, so we're going to look at verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 real quick, because they're... Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to stranger which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. When, when, you are, when you are generous, hospitable like that, what does that say to everybody? Not just members of the church, what does that say to people out there? You, you are the real deal. You guys okay? Okay, it's time to stop. So uh, next week, we're going to get the other story, the big one that's here in this chapter. We're going to look at the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Yes! So you go ahead and read ahead, and we will look forward to that. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Let's have a quick prayer, and then... You can go get those kids. Father, thank you for the blessing of this time together and for your word, the power of it. It's just the simplicity. 
Help us to grasp these things, be able to share it with somebody else. Help us to seek to save souls. Thank you for these examples, but make us examples too so that others can see you working through us. In Jesus' name, amen.